It's December 19th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got a special report for you this morning on the war in the Middle East, a war that as of this moment may expand from the Gaza Strip to a new area, and that is the country of Lebanon. So this morning, we are going to do a deep dive into what is happening in the region and the odds that this latest development might lead to a new war with profound effects on you and your family. Now, before we begin, you should know that this special episode is being driven by two things. First, my own sources. They are increasingly expressing their alarm to me about this war and that it will expand. And I felt it was time to share that with you. And second, we've got a lot of new public reporting about the U.S. Secretary of Defense and CIA director who are increasingly meeting with their Middle Eastern colleagues and partners, including this morning. But their public schedules don't match what I'm hearing privately. And the differences are critical. So let's get to our special episode of the morning. And for this one, folks, you might want to grab a map on your phone or computer or in your minds. And we start first in Israel, where U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin arrived yesterday, meeting with senior Israeli officials and their war cabinet. According to the Pentagon, he focused on three things. First, discussing the future of the war in the Gaza Strip. And that's because Secretary Austin and Joe Biden are under serious political pressure this morning to either encourage or force the Israelis to accept a truce or a ceasefire. Now, the public message is not going to be that blunt. You won't hear it. But to be very clear, the private message will be much more straightforward. And that's because Mr. Austin and Mr. Biden are facing two forms of pressure this morning for truce or a ceasefire. The first is coming from our friends in Europe, including the French, the Brits and the Germans. Those countries are demanding that the Israelis announce a truce immediately, saying that too many Palestinians have died in this war, and that must come to an end. Pressure is also being laid on the Secretary of Defense and the White House this morning by the Democrat Party. As listeners know from previous briefs and multiple polls, U.S. Democrats are increasingly either pro-Arab or pro-Hamas, and they're demanding that Biden use whatever leverage he has with the Israelis to bring the genocide, as they call it, to an end. And the White House is listening to those various pro-Arab or pro-Hamas demands. As I briefed you on previously, the White House needs those voters, especially in places like Michigan, to win re-election in next year's presidential contest. So that is reason number one for why Secretary Austin was in Israel yesterday, public pressure from both the Europeans and the Democrat Party. And that takes us to the second and related reason that Mr. Austin was in Israel yesterday. That is the war's body count. Mr. Austin told the Israelis that they've got to do more to reduce or minimize civilian casualties. The optics and the numbers are just too egregious. So here's why. Hamas claims that the Israelis have killed upwards of 20,000 people so far in the Gaza Strip. The Israeli government, however, says that is incorrect. The number is closer to 15,000, with 5,000 of those being Hamas militants. But regardless, the number is far too high, according to the White House and European leaders, especially as we start to see video of the 20% of buildings in the Gaza Strip that have been destroyed. So that is reason number two, at least publicly, for Secretary Austin's trip, which takes us to the third and final public reason for the trip. Mr. Austin wants to have continued conversations about what comes next after that ceasefire. 
And it all revolves around this question. Who will govern the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, assuming that we ever get a ceasefire into place? Well, on one hand, the Biden White House wants the Palestinian Authority to lead the way. But as we discussed last Thursday, the authority is deeply corrupt and wildly unpopular. In fact, they are so detested that the Israelis, the Palestinians, and even Hamas all say, absolutely not, no way, not a chance that the Palestinian Authority should ever run anything in the future. And yet, Secretary Austin will make that case. So that was and is the official agenda of Mr. Austin during his recent trip to Israel. Again, that was the ceasefire to stop the Palestinian body count and ultimately focus on what comes next in those Palestinian territories. I should tell you that, by the way, there is also the very sensitive issue of hostages. That issue uh, was discussed by the CIA director, William Burns. He's also traveling abroad, meeting with his spy colleagues from Israel and the Arab country of Qatar. They are meeting in Europe. So while all of that is important, from the hostages to the ceasefire, there is another issue that is not on the public agendas. And frankly, it's not getting a lot of attention, but it should. It's about a new war, one that will likely spiral into a much bigger and much more dangerous war throughout the Middle East. So what I'm about to share with you is from my own sources, plus some reporting from the Times of London and Newsweek. So here's what we know. And let's start with those maps. I want you to look about 20 miles north of the Israeli-Lebanese border. You're going to see a river there. It is called the Latani River. And here's why that's important. According to a United Nations Security Council resolution, certain designated terror groups are supposed to stay north of that river, but they haven't. For years, terror organizations have ignored that resolution, and they've done what they like. And that's because they can. And that's because Lebanon is a deeply corrupt nation. In fact, it's on the verge of collapse. It is effectively run or controlled by the country of Iran and their terror proxy organization called Hezbollah. We spoke of them a lot back in October, but here's a quick refresh. Hezbollah is a proxy group that Tehran uses to kill its enemies all around the world rather than use their regular military forces. It, it gives them a, a degree of plausible deniability, at least to some extent. Well, some of the names of the proxy groups or partners that we've been talking about recently include Hamas, the Houthis, plus Hezbollah. Regardless, the number one enemy of Iran and all those various terror proxies and groups has long been Israel, with the United States in a very close second place. And that is a problem for both of those countries. As I've shared with you previously, our nation, the United States, has Hezbollah sleeper cells all throughout this country that can be activated at any time to conduct terror attacks. But the threat, frankly, has long been focused mostly on Israel. And that's because Hezbollah has over 100,000 trained fighters at their disposal in that country and hundreds of thousands of rockets and drones, anti-tank and anti-ship missiles. And while it is true that Hezbollah has long been a serious threat located in Lebanon, things are starting to change for the worse and over the past only couple of weeks. So here's what we're seeing. As Hamas is losing territory and fighters in the Gaza Strip, they are starting to relocate some of their terror operations and senior personnel outside of Gaza, moving them in part into Lebanon. They are aggressively raising money and recruiting new fighters in that country, finding them amongst the Palestinian refugees who live in that very corrupt Lebanese nation. And that means that Iran, Hezbollah, and Hamas, they are now coordinating their efforts on how they might use a northern front to attack Israel. It wouldn't just be from the Gaza Strip. 
Now, to date, that has not happened, even with a notable increase in rocket fire over the past month or two coming from Lebanon into Israel. But again, no invasion from the north, at least not yet. And that's why the Israeli government this morning is debating whether or not they should strike first. They say Hamas's surprise attack back in October taught them a profound and painful lesson about their vulnerabilities, and they've got to take this war to the enemy. So they have drawn up plans to do exactly that, to invade Lebanon. And that is precisely what they have been telling the United States and Europe over the past number of weeks, delivering this uh, warning, frankly. Get Hezbollah and Hamas north of that Latani River, just like you promised you would in that UN resolution. Or we, the Israelis, we will do it for you militarily. And that message or threat of an expanded war has not been a good one to hear, not for Secretary Austin, not for CIA Director Burns, nor certainly the White House or Mr. Biden. And that is why all three of those teams and men are engaged in a full court private push this morning. They're trying to stop the Israelis from expanding this war into Lebanon and to that Latani River. Also, I can share with you that the White House and the CIA are trying to get Russia, China, and the nation of Qatar to tell Iran to back off. And here's the argument to these various nations. If the Israelis end up invading Lebanon, everybody around the world will suffer because it will spill over into a broader Middle Eastern conflict and, God forbid, a global war. So that is the gravity of the moment, ladies and gentlemen. The latest facts and data coming to us from out of the Middle East, from my sources and those in the public press. Now, before we get to my analysis and opinion of what to make of all of this, let's take our first break of the morning. When we come back, I'm going to give you my view on all of this and how it will impact you and your families. We'll be right back. My friends, for the past few months, you have heard me talk about Jace Medical. It's the company that provides you medication for emergency use like antibiotics. Also, they get you backup prescriptions for things like cholesterol, diabetes, and blood pressure. And here's why I love Jace Medical so much. If you are a farming or a ranching family or you live in the back 40, it is pretty tough to get a hold of a doctor, to travel to the appointment, get the prescription, you fill it, and so forth. But with Jace Medical, all you have to do is fill out a simple online form and in some cases have a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. And then you get the medication right in the mail. You also get ongoing care from Jace Physicians about any treatment-related questions, which is fantastic. In other words, folks, you get peace of mind, you get convenience, and you get an emergency supply of medicines no matter where you are. And that is great for a lot of people, rural families, folks who are traveling, or those of us who might be a little bit anxious these days about our unpredictable world, and you might prefer to have an emergency supply of medicines on hand. And that's kind of smart. So do what I've done. Go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Enter that promo code right. W-R-I-G-H-T is the spelling. And when you do, you will get a right report discount. Again, my friends, go to jacemedical.com, promo code right, and get the supply of medicines you need, folks, shipped straight to your door. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with this special edition this morning of the war in Israel, pivoting now to my analysis and opinion. Folks, to help us understand what's happening in this moment in history, I would encourage us to look at our maps again. 
And as we do so, let's imagine that we are at CIA headquarters this morning. We are unbiased CIA analysts, and we're looking at this problem set both dispassionately and objectively. And as we do so, let's start with this. Israel is roughly the size of New Jersey in terms of total population and landmass. It's not a big place, but for a small country, they've got some seriously big problems. To their south is the Gaza Strip and the terror group Hamas. And the sole focus of that group in their foundational documents is to kill all the Jews in the region and take back the land for the Arabs. We should also remember that the civilians in the Gaza Strip support that call to, well, genocide. Polls show that at least 60% of those civilians support Hamas, including the terror attacks on October 7th. Meanwhile, pivoting now to Israel's east, we find the Palestinian territory called the West Bank. A recent poll showed that 82% of the civilians there support, uh, support rather both Hamas and their terror attacks against Israel. Now, from there, we go to Israel's north, to the nation of Lebanon. It is, as we said, effectively run by Hezbollah with those 100,000 fighters and all those rockets and missiles, all of which seek to destroy Israel and kill all of the Jews. So that's the narrow picture of just this small region. Let's now take a step back a little bit with our maps in hand, imagining now that we are looking down at the entire troubled region. And what we see politically is this. We've got over a dozen nations who, at least publicly, share the view that Israel must be annihilated. In fact, some have said that Hamas was actually right to attack Israel on October 7th. So the point is this. These Arab and Persian nations do not ultimately accept that Israel should exist. It it should have never been created back in 1948. And as you would imagine, Israel is very much aware of that. Okay, now let's step back one more time point ourselves all the way back to explore the global picture and the global politics of this moment. So we start with China and Russia. So those two nations both support the Arabs and Hamas, at least as of this morning. Now, both have their own reasons for that. But regardless, the point is they are not on Israel's side this morning. And that leaves the Israelis with their historical allies in Europe and the United States. But unfortunately for Israel, The Europeans are getting a little bit of weak need this morning, with the UK, Germany, and France now calling for a ceasefire, saying that no matter all those terror forces in Gaza or the West Bank or in Lebanon, there are simply too many dead folks in the Palestinian territory that is the Gaza Strip. Meanwhile, in America, Joe Biden is getting a little bit of weak need too. On one hand, he's increasingly pushing for a ceasefire, just like his friends in Europe, and that is ultimately, well, frankly, because of a political concern. He needs those pro-Arab or pro-Hamas Democrat voters. And yet, on the other hand, he also needs those pro-Israel Democrats, too. And that's why he sometimes says he supports Israel and even sometimes sends them weaponry. In short, he's caught in this sort of bizarre schizophrenic dance where some days he embraces his terrorist sympathizers in the Democrat Party and then other times he pushes them away. So with those perspectives in mind in Israel, Europe, the United States. Let us now descend back into Israel this morning and let's do a thought experiment. Let's imagine that we are not at CIA headquarters or even CIA uh, officers, rather, but instead we lead the Israeli nation. So putting on that hat, what would we do this morning if we were there? We were just attacked. Our neighbors certainly still hate us all around. And that includes up north 
with over 100,000 fighters. And for better or worse, our traditional allies in America and Europe, they're getting a little bit weak need this morning, or certainly unreliable. So what should we do? Do we trust that those old allies will eventually find a way to help us or diplomatically push the Hezbollah or Hamas terrorists up to that Latani River in Lebanon like they promised us that they would? Or do we handle this on our own? And if we do, we, we simply have to know that it will likely cause an even bigger war, not just in the Middle East, but maybe the spark that causes a global conflict. Well, that is a lot to consider. But I'll tell you what, let's do one more thing. Let's do another thought experiment, but not as though we are in Israel, but we are Americans sitting not in Israel, but rather our living rooms or a U.S. military base this morning. Because right now, our sons and daughters are serving in Iraq and Syria or on the USS Ford, Eisenhower, Kearney or Mason, and they are getting fired on this morning by Iran or its proxy forces with those suicide drones. And now our pocketbooks are getting hit too, because as I briefed you on, the Suez Canal is getting shut down because of these various suicide strikes by the Houthis in Yemen. We spoke of that yesterday. In other words, my friends, no matter where you sit today, whether that be in Israel, CIA headquarters, your front porch, or maybe a military base, this moment in the Middle East is uniquely and especially dangerous. And that's why I'm bringing it to you. My sources say that they can't recall a more dangerous time in their careers. Their fear is that the Israelis just give up on us and Europe, and they decide to launch a military operation in Lebanon. Or it is possible that an attack might start by Iran or Hezbollah or Hamas in Lebanon, pushing south, just like Hamas attacked Israel back in October. But either way, my sources tell me that God only knows what comes next, in no small part, because depending on how all these bits and pieces, all the puzzle pieces fall into place, the Israeli government has one very critical weapon at their disposal, nuclear weapons. Israel has around 100 or so warheads plus short-range delivery systems. So that's why some of my old colleagues have been reaching out to me saying, Brian, I don't know which way this falls. All right, the nuclear weapons should deter the Iranians, but October, those attacks just scrambled a lot of assumptions. So hold on and pray. So folks, I share this sober message with you this morning, not to create fear or panic, but to share, frankly, the gravity of this moment. Also, I want to encourage you to watch for important signals in the coming days and weeks to know what might be looming ahead. For instance, keep an eye on that Latani River in Lebanon and debates about it. Also, Watch to see if Arab countries join our efforts, Western efforts, to patrol the Red Sea. We discussed that yesterday. Although I should tell you, late last night, we got word about a new international coalition that will apparently try to secure that critical trade route. But just one Arab partner announced that they were going to join us in that effort, and that is not exactly promising. Finally, I would encourage us to listen for messages out of Israel that the war cabinet feels that, frankly, it is just alone in this fight, and they will go down swinging if necessary. But I'll tell you, if you just say to yourself, oh my goodness, watching for all those signals and all that news, that is just too much for you, that's all right, don't worry. That's my job, to worry and watch for you. And as for paid subscribers, feel free to use Substack to post questions, uh, of course, on the site. We will dig into any issues that you might have, anything that you're confused about, worried about, 
I'll tackle it because that is also my job to bring my experiences to bear, ladies and gentlemen, to help explain America and the world. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's special episode of The Right Report. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing, and I'll be looking for good news to lighten our hearts and unburden our minds. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.